This is the Private Practice Workshop Podcast with John Clark, Episode 18. Today I'm sitting down with my friend Dr. Jeremy Sharp from thetestingpsychologist.com. This is a special episode. This is um, another in-person uh, interview that I did when Jeremy and I were in Northern Michigan together. Um, this is a great episode if you are either currently running a testing practice or maybe you're running a group counseling practice and you want to add testing um, to what your group offers. All right, we've got a great show for you. Let's dive in. Dr. Jeremy Sharp is on the show with us today, and we are doing our very first um, in-person interview here at Slowdown School in Northern Michigan. Um, so Jeremy and I are sitting here, and we are sharing one mic, which is a really good icebreaker if you don't know someone to be about 12 inches from one another's face uh, with just a mic separating you. So it's a really cozy situation we have going on here, and Jeremy's already being a real sport. Um, uh, about uh, sitting this close to me. So um, here we are, Jeremy Sharp. Thanks, John. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, so Jeremy and I have been here at Slowdown School. This is uh, Joe Sanok uh, from Practice of the Practice. It's his event here in northern Michigan. We have been doing a whole lot of nothing for the past few days, um, and that's the whole point, is to first slow down, and then we're going to dive into the rest of the week doing consulting and getting some videos created, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. But um, Jeremy, how, how's the week been for you so far? Maybe you can kind of describe um, what this place looks like for the audience. Sure, sure. Uh, goodness, how to describe what this place looks like. Um, this place looks like any summer camp movie you have ever seen <laughs> in your life. Uh, so we have driven miles and miles back into the woods of the uh, lower peninsula, you know, of Michigan. And um, yeah, we're in a dorm room with two single beds. And it's actually pretty beautiful, you know, very wooded. There's a river, there's a beach if you think that lakes can have beaches uh, and there's a huge body of water for us to mess around in. So um, yeah, it's pretty gorgeous, but also very rustic. So we have, um, the school is, uh, during the year it's used as a school for kids with behavioral issues. Um, and um, the key word here is kids because there's little things that kind of make you laugh, like the size of the towels being um, really appropriate for children and not as appropriate for an adult who uh, needs to dry off um, mm -hmm. or has, yeah, is an adult-sized person. <laughs> right, right. It's been a challenge. There have been um, several challenges, I think, since we've gotten here. One is that, you know, for a lot of us as, as business owners and, and practice owners, we have been challenged to unplug completely. So turning off the email notifications. Um, some of us are just not checking our phones at all. Um, and you know, not, not the least of which is the towel situation, which is, uh, which is challenging as well. It's also quite humid. So we're using, you know, damp, uh, small towels. <laughs> and so we're really, we're really getting back to basics here and, and finding ourselves a little bit. It's, it's a great combination uh, of, of all things. And it is a gorgeous place though. It's been a lot of fun so far. 
Um, I, I, you know, wanted to knock out some interviews here because I'm, I'm spending the week with such great people and I've known about you and your podcast, um, for a while now and your consulting practice, the testing psychologist.com. Um, tell us kind of a little bit about you and how you ended up to where, where you are now and, um, what the audience should know about you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, let me see. Um, so I'm a psychologist. Uh, I got my degree from Colorado State back in 2008. And, you know, I ended up, um, I, it was one of those situations where, uh, you know, my wife and I were fairly anchored um, in our in our town, but there weren't a whole lot of PhD level jobs at that point. I applied. Um, I didn't get any, which is, you know, which is hard, of course. But it kind of led me into this place where I said that I kind of went into private practice out of necessity. Um, I did go to grad school there, so I had a fairly um, nice, you know, set of connections in the community. Uh, so that made it a little easier. But yeah, I jumped into private practice in 2009. Um, have been doing um, psychological testing and uh, you know neuropsych assessment for um, it's probably been six to seven years now um, exclusively. So and I've kind of narrowed down over the years to where I at this point I really only work with kids um, doing testing. So that's been the focus of our practice. Um, over the past couple years, uh, maybe three years, I've been adding folks. And so now um, there are five of us. We have four psychologists and a social worker, and we all kind of do different things in the practice. Um, but that's been really cool to, to be able to grow the practice and keep serving the community in different ways. Um, and then, yeah, over the last six to eight months, I've really been putting a lot of energy into this testing psychologist consulting business to help other folks, other mental health people, uh, psychologists, you know, start or grow testing and assessment services in their practices. And so that's been really, really cool to, to jump into that here lately. What, um, before we dive into the marketing part of, um, of marketing your testing practice, what kind of draws you to marketing and, and also, I'm sorry, to testing and what is, why is testing so important, right? So a lot of our listeners are either, they could be LPCs or LCSWs and people who don't do testing. And then of course there's psychologists and psychiatrists, but why, why is testing so important? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that testing just overall um, gives you can give you a really intimate look into what's going on for someone. So, um, you know, we do counseling, and I've you know I've done a lot of therapy over the years and had a therapy practice over the years too. Um, but the information that you get from testing um, is unlike you know anything else that you may get um, during therapy so having a really good idea of what someone's brain is up to um, how they process information how they're attending to therapy sessions do they remember what you're saying um, even little pieces like that um, I think is really important of course there's the personality piece and you know with kids in particular a lot around academic skills and memory and attention and um, social functioning and that kind of thing so I think the information you get from testing is really rich and it um, I like to, to tell parents you know it's kind of like uh, a gift you know to, to know your kid in that way because um, a lot of us don't get that opportunity mm -hmm. so I really use testing and I think most of us who do testing kind of use it in this way to guide treatment. So a lot of the, you know, the focus with testing is to narrow down the diagnostic uh, picture and then use that to guide, 
you know, counseling intervention or school intervention or um, community living, you know, daily living activities, things like that if you work with older adults. Um, and yeah, just give, give therapists and other folks uh, a, a better idea of how to work with that particular client and keep moving them forward. Part of my experience around working in the field um, and working alongside psychologists is that um, testing can really unlock services that especially kids really need, right? And that can be, um, you, you know, I think there are a lot of folks who get kind of uh, averse to this idea of diagnosing or labeling. Um, and that's one way to look at things. And certainly we could spend an hour talking about that um, and, and kind of the values that that, um, that, that challenges. But um, I think what, it, what I've seen it do for a lot of people, especially kids, is, is unlock services or their ability to get exactly what they need to kind of um, to thrive and to kind of level the playing field, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big focus in my practice. I mean, I think the obvious application is in the school environment. So yeah, if I find anything that uh, gives me good information about how the kiddo is processing information or attending to things or certainly academic skills um, or even personality. I mean, I think that plays a huge role too, you know, and then I can take that and um, help the parents bridge the gap to schools. And then often the schools are really receptive to um, putting accommodations in place for kiddos just to make sure that they are learning in the best way they can. Um, yeah. Like you said, leveling yeah. the playing field. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. So, I know your your practice in Colorado um, is primarily focused on testing, but you do therapy as well. Um, I really wanted to bring you on the show um, in part because, uh, well, you're my roommate this week, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's like it's like having bunk beds, but they're they're not stacked; they're just beside each other. But otherwise, that's the visuals that we're sitting here actually in between our two twin size beds, um, but still, you know, grown men, professionals. Um, yeah, highly regarded people, you know. Um, <laughs> but you, uh, you're really the only testing psychologist I know, and the only one who also does this consulting and has um, has this um, this kind of um, uh, con- consulting practice that you do on top of it, and helping psychologists start and grow a consulting practice. Um, what's the journey been like for you in growing uh, a testing practice in particular? That's a great question. Um, so I feel like the journey, the journey has been, um, it was like a very steep curve um, or a very steep hill right off the bat. And then, uh, and then that really pushed things forward from that point. So um, I know that that is maybe not exactly the same journey that others go on, but um, what I, the way that it really worked for me was that um, you know, I had testing as part of my private practice for, uh, you know, since I started in 2009, um, it was not the primary focus of the practice, but what ended up happening is that, um, and we'll talk about this, I think, as a, you know, the report as a marketing tool, um, but what ended up happening is uh, we have a university in our town. Uh, they changed their policy uh, around ADHD medication, where the, any student seeking ADHD medication had to have a full psyche valve um, if they hadn't already had one. And so all of a sudden, uh, because I had done you know a couple evaluations of college students uh, in the months prior to that, they had gotten a hold of a couple of my reports. And when they made that change in policy, uh, they said, well, hey, here's this guy who does testing and um, seems to do a pretty good job. So uh, we're going to send these referrals to him. So I ended up with 
uh, what would that be? Probably 10 times the typical amount of referrals all at one time. And so that was really the, um, this huge boost um, that made me transition over and I had to de dedicate a lot of my time to testing and writing reports. And through that process, I found like, hey, I actually, I really like this. I wanna just continue to focus on this. And it's just kind of gone from there uh, and has grown uh, in various ways since then. But that was really the impetus to get wow. going down that path. So ha having, um, just being even known by one person as someone who offers testing was uh, enough to kind of get you started. And it, it sounds like it happened um, kind of spontaneously that you weren't even starting to market that part of your practice, but it, but it happened um, because someone knew you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, I did not do, and I hope this is okay to say on the you know the, the marketing workshop podcast, but um, I didn't do any intentional marketing yep. around testing at first, aside from the report. Um, and I'll keep coming back to that as a marketing tool in a testing practice is you know writing a good report and making sure it's thorough, but it's clear and it's helpful and um, readable and uh, you know able to be accessed by these folks. So yeah, it was almost an not an accident, but yeah, know, certainly kind of serendipitous. Yeah, sure. You, um, what's so interesting about um, testing is that there is this final product of mm -hmm. the whole process, which is very different from therapy, right? People don't necessarily walk away with this large document that actually holds a lot of weight. Again, can can open up or unlock services or the mm -hmm. right medication, whatever it is. Like that, it really holds a lot of. Um, uh, potential within that report and you kind of have something to show for at the end of all this this um, testing so that and that's so much different from therapy isn't it yeah yeah it really is it really is um for better for worse you know i mean i think that's that's a hard thing about therapy you know is that it, you can't point to something and say this is what i did you know here's what i can hand you necessarily um, but that's part of what I love about it too, is that, you know, it is data driven. There's, um, a little bit of, or a lot of writing involved in some cases. And yeah, you really can put some energy into that final product and, um, and, and well, sell it in a way to clients, you know, to where they have something to hang on to and really refer back to when they need it. So, um, yeah, I yeah. love that part of it that you get to hand someone something very concrete and that's, you know. It's nice to be able to do that in a world that's otherwise vague sometimes. Oh, yeah. Let, let's dive into how that report also serves as a marketing tool. Um, that's not something I kind of would have thought about before talking to you today. So um, why is that so important, and uh, how does that play out for you in, in your testing practice? Yeah, yeah. So I think that um, I think it's important because, well, like you said, that is sort of the final product that not only the client sees, but that's what people in the community see as well. So I think that dovetails with the whole marketing strategy, if you want to call it that, is, uh, you know, you send that report out often to, I mean, certainly the parents or the individual you're working with, but then um, any number of practitioners. So that might be their physician, uh, it might be their therapist, it might be the school. So um, that's the thing that everybody looks at and that's what they kind of base their um, judgment, I guess, of, of your service off of. Um, and of course, there's client word of mouth and that kind of thing. But yeah, we have this report, like you said, that very concrete representation of what we do. And so putting energy into that, and like I said, I just use those words clear and helpful. That's 
sort of my mantra, you know, when I'm writing a report and making sure that those two things are, are present. And I think, yeah, people take notice of that and they get to read through it and say, okay, like here's some really concrete recommendations. Like here's a very clear explanation of what's going on with this person. Um, here's how it flows to treatment recommendations. Um, and that's super valuable. Yeah. So when they refer back, back to that, they can say, okay, well, we know there's a good product here. Is there ever a time where, um, the, the report actually reflects negatively on your brand? Well, that's a good question. I suppose it could, certainly, if it was poorly written. Um, if it, I think, you know, that may get into some of the nuances of who you're writing for. Um, that's one thing that we have to consider, uh, just who, you know, the audience you're writing for. So if you perhaps, like, use overly technical jargon, or um, I've seen, I've heard parents complain about um, other, you know, about reports that are too short or the recommendations seem kind of vanilla, like they don't really apply to their kiddo. Um, sure, I mean, that can reflect negatively uh, on your brand. I think that's true. Yeah, it's always possible, right? But like you said, you have this kind of mantra as, as you're writing, and I'm assuming that you kind of encourage that among um, the other psychologists in your practice, that you're, you're providing this value for your clients and then also these affiliated parties, which is, again, quite unique and different from therapy in that regard, that mm -hmm. a bunch of people might be reading this, this document and this product, which is representing you. Um, I'm just curious, how do you also uphold that, um, that value um, within your practice and make sure that everyone is, um, is really um, upholding that. Mm, yeah, that's great. So that's one of the parts that I really, I love. Um, now, granted it is rooted in part in um, some of my control issues, you know, I, kind of, <laughs> I can joke about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, so I review every report that goes out our door um, from all the other psychologists, even if it's just a quick edit, you know, I, I like to look it over, but I do a lot of training in the beginning. Um, especially if it's, you know, folks who um, have been trained in a different report writing model or something um, and just uh, try to educate and do a lot of editing and um, and really say, OK, here's how we you know package all this information. Um, and we have a pretty, I'd say, standard report template um, so that there is. A solidarity, you know, between our clinicians and what's coming out of our clinic. I think our reports feel very similar. Um, they're unique, you know, to the, the specific clinician and their language, of course, but the overall format's pretty similar. Um, so everybody's kind of doing the same report. Um, we have a pooled, you know, recommendations bank that everybody's pulling from. So, you know, the language in that regard is pretty similar. Um, yeah. So I, but I do a lot of overseeing, especially in the beginning when folks come on. Um, and I think it's just kind of, that maybe gets back to our practice culture though, too. You know, I think we're a strengths based, um, you know, client focused, like to build up people, you know, what they're good at and really emphasize that. Um, so that goes into it as well. And we're all pretty down to earth people. So like when we're doing feedback sessions with, um, parents or adults, uh, it's meant to be pretty straightforward, again, clear, helpful. We're not talking over anyone's head, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you're not overly pathologizing. Um, you're really intentional about that. Mm -hmm. All of this, um, comes back to your reputation, which again, I'm, I'm just guessing that especially for a testing practice is paramount for, for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm very protective. I think of our reputation. 
Um, I, someone I came across this somewhere recently, but it was like, you know, it takes many years to build a reputation and one moment to destroy it or something like that or to, mm-hmm. to, to tarnish it, right? And so um, it sounds like you're really aware of that for your practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I think um, that that really flows, again, I keep coming back to this report, but, you know, that drives a lot because unlike therapy, you do have this product that is just out there and it's a written document, you know, it lives forever in theory. Um, so yeah, we, we put a lot of energy into, uh, just from, I mean, from the beginning of the process, like when people do the intake, you know, we try to take care of them. We try to make sure they know exactly what to expect. Um, payment wise, appointment wise, process wise, um, you know, feedback, like I talked about the report as I talked about. Um, but yeah, yeah. The times when that has been threatened for one reason or another, you know, times when I've made you know, unintentional mistakes. Yeah, I'm very conscious and do a lot to, to um, correct those if mm-hmm. possible. Because um, people talk, you know. There yeah. aren't many people who do testing, so um, you can get a reputation pretty quickly yeah. one way or the other. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Again, you, you just mentioned how you got kind of your first, um, your first referral source for testing, um, and reputation is a huge part of it, perhaps even more so than therapy, or well, probably more so than therapy. Um, why is reputation so important, and how does it um, constitute your, uh, the marketing for your practice? Mm. Yeah, I think the reputation is um, it's really important because uh, the folks, a lot of... Okay, let me back up. I just had like five thoughts. <laughs> um, so one of the major things is, you know, often with testing, um, we, I mean, of course, we get a, a fair number of people who just find us and come to us because they are self-referred. But with testing, um, a lot of your uh, business is referral driven, you know, so um, you have to be trusted by pretty major players in the community. So, I mean, physicians, of course, are a big referral source. Um, Teachers, um, you know, other parents, certainly, um, or other clients. And so I think about that a lot, how it's not just, you know, I'm doing a good job just for me or for my, you know, for the other clinicians um, for themselves, but it's the referral source that's kind of on the line. Like they have trusted us with this referral and, you know, to make that referral, a lot of the time it's a pretty, you know, people are hesitant. So the referral sources, you know, got to do a, a pretty good job convincing. So I want to make sure and deliver um, the service that they're really looking for. Um, so yeah, reputation is at the core of, of all of that. I just, you know, don't want to let anybody down. Let's say someone is just now starting a, cons- uh, a testing practice where should they start in terms of fostering some of these relationships? And if you had to rank them up, um, what would you say is, which are the most important and where should someone start? Mm. Yeah. So I think, um, it depends who, what population you're working with. Um, the one consistent is probably physicians. So, uh, you know, I get a ton of referrals from physicians for kids. Uh, but if you're working with older adults, then you're going to be working with neurologists uh, who are doing, you know, they're usually the primary point of contact for uh, like a dementia situation or something like that. So yeah, physicians are pretty key no matter what population you're working with. Um, If you're not doing 
let's say as much neuropsych kind of testing, like let's say you're just doing custody evals or substance abuse evals. Um, attorneys are great referral sources for that kind of thing. Um, if you're working with kids, uh, teachers and school counselors, really, I would say school counselors are the you know the main referral source. Let's for that. let's let's use that one as an example and tell mm-hmm. me how how someone would get into um, that referral source in particular, getting into a school. Like, what's the first point of contact? How do you how do you do that? Mm. So in those, yeah, so schools are tough um, because they tend to be closed systems unless you end up in some unique situation where they invite you in or something. Um, you can always uh, reach out to schools and ask if they need mental health professionals to do talks. Um, so that's been a way that I've gotten into schools. Uh, and they often do a mental health day, you know, once a semester or something for the teachers. So that's one way to do it. But um, the way that I've done it um, primarily is once I have one kid from that school um, that has come, you know, from another referral source, physician or parent or something, uh, I go out of my way to make contact with that school counselor then and do good uh, continuity of care, I guess you'd say. Um, so I'll reach out to them like, hey, what are you seeing with this kid? Like, have you worked with them in the past? I also do school observations for each of my kiddos. So when I go on the school observations, I always, you know, touch base with the counselor or the principal if that person's around or, you know, anybody else that might be important. I always try to take time to talk to the individual teacher when I'm observing the kid. And, you know, just over time, like building those relationships, um, it goes a long way, I think. And then they end up trusting you. Yeah. I really like that because it's it sounds really natural and it's organic and you're just developing the, these relationships. Mm-hmm. You are providing a high level of care and it just happens that that kind of doubles as um, a way for people to just know, like, and trust you and to, to, to keep you in mind that, yes, I'm, I'm you know a psychologist in town who does this service and now you know me and you know kind of who I am and what kind of work I do. Um, so it, it serves both of those purposes. Yeah, you're totally right, John. So yeah, and it works. It's mutually beneficial because I get better information about the kid that I'm working with, but then, you know, I'm making a relationship with the counselor or school staff person. And that is usually helpful, um, to me and to them. Then they have an outside referral source if they need it. And, you know, it works both ways. Yeah, it's really nice. These are. I'm just thinking. These are potentially really pivotal moments in um, a child's life and, and also the parents' lives, right? You you must be dealing with in situations where uh, a child has really been struggling, maybe, or maybe there's concern for a certain disorder or disability that could have a real uh, real implications for that kid's life and learning. Um, so you're you're dealing with some pretty delicate situations, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it runs the gamut from. Um, pretty benign concerns like uh, my kid's struggling, not sure why, all the way up to you know pretty serious behavioral issues in the classroom. Um, so yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now, you know, it definitely changed once I had my own kids, and it's it's been really interesting to see from that side, like how much I feel like there's a lot of a lot more weight to it now. You know that this the, you're right; these are pivotal moments in kids' lives, and so I mean that's just another piece that contributes to the doing good work and maintaining that reputation and just recognizing that, yeah, you play a, uh, you know, short, but pretty significant role in these families' lives and you can change paths for kids. And that's pretty awesome. Do do you mention uh, that you're a parent when you're working with new clients or working with other parents? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I've, I've always been um, maybe a little looser with 
um, hopefully appropriate self-disclosure. But yeah, I mean, that's a huge connection point if, if um, parents are talking about one behavior or another. And, you know, it happens that our oldest kid, you know, our son has had, uh, I got what people probably call sensory issues. You know, he's a little anxious and like I've taken him to OT and he's been evaluated. And, you know, so yeah, I share that when it feels appropriate. And I think it's been, yeah, it helps connect with parents and gives a little maybe credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so much of the theme today is about relationships more than I think a lot of what we've talked about so far in the podcast, really focusing on things like your web presence and digital marketing and website mm-hmm. copy and all this stuff that's kind of out there in the ether. Um, so besides, you know, kind of maintaining all of these really important connections in the community, what else do you do to market and promote um, the, the practice? You know, it's... Uh, funny thinking about that um there there isn't a lot i'll be honest like that it a lot of it comes back to relationships um writing that you know a good report i do well i mean i I almost started talking about networking but even that is relationship driven you know now of course i mean i have our psychology today profiles um i'm very clear that it is uh that we do testing um so just for example on our agency page um you know that for and i think you know you have an agency page right for your practice where you can do three paragraphs i think and our first one like the first line is psychological testing is our thing quote unquote Mm -hmm. um so i put it front and center on the psych today profile um on our website I talk with people about this a lot who I'm consulting with, um, who do testing, not to bury testing somewhere, you know, just on an incidental page. Maybe it's even tacked on to like the, your about me page or your therapy page or whatever, but to really put it front and center as a service that you offer. Um, so making sure that your, yeah, your web presence is really locked up and really tight. And I think particularly for testing, um, putting a lot of energy into the copy on that page is super important because, um, people want to come to that page, you know, find it obviously come to that page and then be able to tell exactly like what is testing? What will I gain from it? What does the process look like and how much will it cost? Like, you know, so making sure that you really nail down each of those pieces on the website um, is super important. Like I've got so many clients that I can remember, they come in for the interview and they're like, thank you, you know, your webpage was so clear, like we had an idea of what we were getting into and um, what this was all about and um, you were the only one that had that, you know, for whatever reason. And so, yeah, I think from that side, from the digital side, that's huge. Awesome. Yeah, the website is such an important and paramount uh, marketing tool that we talk about a lot on this podcast and um yeah so it is important um for for your business as well even though a lot of your referrals are coming from um these these kind of in-person relationships um so let's say um if if you were to move to a new place and um god forbid have to start all over again (laughs) which happens in life um what would be the first thing that you would do in setting up a new testing practice Mm. that's a great question so what would what would i do um you know what i would do actually is i would probably look on psychology today and find other folks who are doing testing and try to connect with them um operating on that assumption that 
if you're doing it well, you're probably going to be full and maybe need some referrals at some point. Um, and to just get into the community, um, usually the testing folks, it's a pretty small community. Um, so yeah, I would want to get in touch with those people and see what the, the atmosphere looks like in town and, and maybe how to go about it and how to integrate well in the community. So, you know, it's the relationship piece again, I think. Awesome. Um, well, Jeremy, as we get ready to kind of wrap up here, um, I, I want to hear you talk for a second again about your consulting practice, about your website, um, and, and also the work you do with psychologists and those uh, wanting to start or wanting to start and grow a testing practice. Um, and then also just kind of wrap us up with um, how people can get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the, the uh, testing psychologist has been a big focus of mine over the last several months. Um, so yeah, I put a lot of energy into the podcast. Uh, it's called the testing psychologist podcast. And yeah, I talk with folks on there who are involved in the testing world, who have built practices, um, who are involved with testing somehow. So, you know, I interviewed the guys from Q interactive, which is a digital platform for doing testing. Um, authors who have written books, you know, on feedback and, uh, writing reports and that kind of thing. So we've done a, a, a whole piece on uh, culturally and linguistically responsive assessment. So anything pertaining to testing, you know, that's that's what's happening on the podcast. And yeah, I have really enjoyed, it's been great to, to do a little more consulting with folks. So um, the whole idea with that is to meet you wherever you're at, whether it's starting that testing practice or tweaking a practice that's been uh, successful for years. You know, I have consulting clients that kind of run the gamut. And yeah, we just try to identify those areas that you want to work on um, and goals that you might have and, um, and figure out, you know, how we, can, how we can change some things in your practice to get you to a better place. And I think just help testing continue to be profitable and fun and enjoyable and help you to like do the best, you know, provide the best service that you can to, to these folks because there aren't a lot of us doing testing. So, you know, want to keep people in the field and enjoying it as long as possible and profiting from it. Fantastic. So um, that's the testingpsychologist.com. Check out uh, Jeremy's podcast as well. It's the testing psychologist podcast. And then again, what, what's the easiest way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, so the best way uh, would be, you know, my email address is jeremy at thetestingpsychologist.com. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. And like John said, the website's out there, the podcast is out there, but email is a great way to reach out. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Sharp from thetestingpsychologist.com um, coming at you live here today from uh, northern Michigan. Uh, Jeremy, let's, let's go do some summer camp activities now. That sounds great. Thanks, John. All right. All right, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I appreciate you being here so much. If you haven't done so already, head on over to privatepracticeworkshop.com and I just released uh, absolutely free the email marketing workshop. This is an online course that I created to show you, um, first of all, why email marketing, why you should be using it to grow your private practice. Then I walk you through how to choose a platform and get started, how to grow your list, and then how to use that list to get more clients. All right. Thanks for being here. See you next time.